0: Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice, for police personnel who go the extra mile, for academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners, on YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Hello everyone and a fantastic new year to you all and your loved ones. I hope that whatever you're going to make of this year that is going to be great and exactly what you're looking for and what you're working towards. So first science snippets of this year, and surprisingly it's only the 3rd of January, this is science snippets number 109. So every week I go through lots of journal articles in the fields of police science, forensic psychology, investigative psychology, criminology, evidence-based policing, and I pull out three nuggets, three bits that I think are actually going to be practical to some of you depending on which role you have Obviously, in um, whichever in whichever industry you work in, but most likely law enforcement, intelligence, security services, something like that. So it's not always easy to find these snippets, but the ones I do find, I send them out every Tuesday on the free Police Science doctor email. So if you want to subscribe to that and get those delivered into your inbox along with the links to the actual research article, then just subscribe to Police Science doctor emails. You just Google Police Science, go to Police Science doctor. And leave your details in the bottom in in the form, which is at the bottom of each page, or the form that will actually pop up. You will notice that this week there's a bit of a bit of a theme to the snippets. Now they're all about confirmation bias, or some kind of bias in investigations. That's because I'm currently marking lots of essays from my third-year students um, who are studying criminology with policing and investigations, and. I have just come across um quite a few nuggets through that research through you know just reading those essays which is great because I have moaned a lot a lot of times here on um on the broadcast that it's very difficult to actually find these snippets every week because a lot of research that is published is either extremely specific to very niche um topic that I don't think will relevant to many of you um or they're not really very practicable they're very abstract or theoretical, and I try to find something that I think will give you something to think about and something to put into action straight away. So the first snippet for this week is about confirmation bias and in investigations. Um, investigators holding expectations of guilt generate significantly more guilt-presumptive questions than investigators presuming innocence. So the type of questions you ask your suspect varies based on your Um, viewpoint and your initial opinion. When guilt presumptive questions are then answered by suspects those suspects appear more guilty even to independent observers. So can you see how this affects everything? So you as the investigator might already have a presumption of guilt the questions you are asking whatever the answer is they're already making the suspect look more guilty. So very, very big risk to miscarriages of justice here. So it's very important to keep an open mind and just do fact-finding and don't try to confirm your hypothesis. So if you're trying to confirm a hypothesis, also test whether it could not be true. Try to find evidence for and against your hypothesis. The second snippet for today is about time pressure and confirmation bias. Now, confirmation bias, for those who are not sure what it is, it's the tendency we all have to look for information that confirms something we already believe in, and to discredit or ignore and not accept information that disproves what we already believe. We all do that. Um, It's understandable, but we should not be doing it in investigations. So the second snippet, time pressure and confirmation bias. Witnesses in a homicide case can be perceived as less reliable simply because their statement does not align with the focal hypothesis. So if you already have a mindset, I think this is what happened, then a witness comes along and gives you information that contradicts that hypothesis, you will actually perceive the witness as less credible just because of what you thought thought of the case before they came in. Furthermore, when there's high time pressure on the investigator, they are less inclined to adjust their confidence in the hypothesis in line with the witness testimony. So if you are under time pressure, which often you are, especially high-profile cases, there's a lot of time pressure being put onto the investigators. You're less likely to change your view, even if you find contradicting information or information that contradicts your initial hypothesis. Then if you had more time, you would be more open-minded. And the last snippet for today is about countering confirmation bias. What can you actually do about it? Confirmation bias can be reduced by actively seeking out evidence against the primary hypothesis as well as for it. This could perhaps become a regular part of investigative practice. Um, for one of my PhD research projects, I went to Germany for a week and spent some time with the police in München, Munich. And they have a really good process there. Um, I was there with the operate um, so in German they're called operat- operative Fallanalytiker. So there's operational case analysts. Here in England, they would be called, they are called in behavioral investigative advisors. In some other countries, they would be called offender profilers. And the German team—I um, think it was four or five people. What they do is they—they worked—they uh, work on each case together, whereas here in England, for example, each each behavioral um, investigative advisor is allocated one case, is then peer reviewed later. But in Germany, they work on a case together, or at least that's what they did in 2010 when I was there. And what they do is they get together in a group and they talk about hypotheses. And one person actually has a specific role being the devil's advocate. So whatever is presented as a working hypothesis, they have to try and find arguments against. And that prevents confirmation bias. It also prevents groupthink. So it's a really, really good built-in mechanism that they've got there. And I think that's something that should be built into, like like it said in that research, the last one, that it should be built into the investigative process as a matter of course, really. I forgot to blend in those, it's almost too late now. Um, But these are the snippets for today. So I hope that you found this useful. Obviously, this is relevant to anyone working uh, in investigations, which is many, many, many of you and many people around the world. And I hope that you found value in this. Again, if you come across research that you think has something that is actionable and practical, do send it in. Contact at policesciencedr.com. That's my email address. And um, if suitable, it will get featured in these snippets. And I'll fully credit you for sending me that information. And like I said, it's not easy to come across to find ones that I think will be suitable for this. So I hope that you had a good beginning to the year. I hope that you continue to to be well and happy and successful in whatever you're doing. And um, I'll see you again next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page, you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.